Every one of us in this room, we've got dreams, things with all our heart we'd really like to do. But I promise you the only way to get there is to make today count. Start and be faithful in the small things. Thank you for listening to There Is Always A Way with Dr. Jay Strack. You can find out more about Dr. Strack and Student Leadership University by visiting slulead.com. Today, Dr. Strack is joined by Dr. Peterson of Pepperdine University, offering keen insight on the calling of a Christian and how Christ sometimes brings us to a new level of calling, even in the midst of days of crisis just like these. Here's Dr. Strack. Well, Pete, uh, first of all, let me just say how excited I am to get to finally connect with you. We have mutual friends on several fronts. And most of all, I really admire, you know, your university, uh, what it stood for, and the fact that without apology, it's made some pretty strong stands. And in this day and age, uh, those are remarkable things. But uh, the Dean of Pepperdine School of Public Engagement, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. You know, we, we are uh, about 23 years old now, really had a unique founding with uh, folks ranging from uh, Michael Novak to James Q. Wilson and others, and, and really created a very unique curriculum uh, that we, we have refined over the years, to be sure, but it's still a, a different way of preparing public leaders. Well, Peter, I was going through some old notes, and I ran across one of the what I felt was a moment when I tried to record what I felt were some essentials that I would need uh, to make sure that I had as part of my DNA. Uh, And I thought of you as I found this list. So I wanted to run it by you and let that be an an introduction to this remarkable conference you have coming up in just a few days. But here's, here's what I wrote, courage, calling, influence, possibility, and purpose. Mm. And the way we designed it is I kind of designed it like the Capitol, the top of the Capitol. Yeah, very good. But as I thought about that, and then I began to realize what all you were covering, because calling, well, not only is it uh, an interesting term, it's not just a tool in the toolbox for you. I think it's pretty essential uh, if I'm understanding who you yeah. are and what your vision is and what your passion is. Yeah. So I want to talk to you in this COVID-19 world, we've all been paralyzed. We've, we've talked about it. We've dissected it. We've tried to look under the hood. We've tried to pretend we understand what it is. And I'm even excited about bending the curve and I didn't mm. even know we were allowed to do that, you know, here in the Bible Belt. But, uh, but <laughs> COVID-19 and the calling of public service. So if you would, you have an academic hat, but yet you also have a Patriots hat that you wear. Uh, mm. Let's talk about that. Flesh that out for us. Yeah, Jay, the, the origins of this uh, webinar that we're hosting on Friday really go back to the beginning of uh, this crisis when it was becoming evident that our world was changing. And in many ways, it triggered a lot of memories I had um, 
going back to the, the weeks and months after 9-11, uh, I was in New York City on 9-11, and really, uh, my own life changed as a result of, of uh, that time. Um, suffice it to say, I was working in the private sector at the time in Manhattan, working in the advertising and web development business. And, um, and when 9-11 happened, uh, I was laid off from my job within a couple weeks of uh, what had been up to that time a, a successful uh, career and business. Uh, and those, those days and weeks and months uh, really caused me to question what I was doing with my own professional career. I was in my mid-30s at the time and uh, thought that I was just going to keep doing what I was doing. But 9-11 changed all that. And what I've seen just from some of our own students at the graduate school, but also the, the surge in inquiries we're getting into our graduate program for those in their uh, early and mid-20s, it just reminded me that in times of crisis, it can really cause us all to think differently about what we're doing professionally and what we're committing our lives to. And so at least what it meant for me was to explore this whole concept of calling a vocation, which even as a, even as a Christian, I didn't really know that much about until uh, I was given some resources to look through, again, going back in those months after 9-11. Uh, I read a very important book in my own life uh, by Oz Guinness called The Call. And that introduced me to a whole field of, of books, writing, and thinking about vocation and how particularly people of faith should think about their careers, not only from the financial standpoint and, and uh, what it might do for them uh, from a, a financial perspective, but also what is God calling them to? And uh, again, that was what prompted a radical change in my own career, leaving the private sector and, and going into the world of politics and policy. And when I began seeing some of that again um, about a month ago, it just, uh, it has made me think about the importance of looking at our lives, especially as people of faith, through this lens of calling. Wow. Well, first of all, to quote Oz Guinness, uh, that's pretty solid ground right there. Imagine <laughs> what a what a book that would would uh, not only uh, stir your imagination but ignite your imagination. The first time I really began to even think about calling, even though I was a young preacher, was an encounter with a gentleman named Chuck Colson. Mm. And Chuck Colson was uh, always very gracious and encouraging to me. And he came up after we were both on a conference together. And I believe it was under the auspices of Dr. Bill Bright and of mm. Campus Crusade at the time. Sure. Uh, a Californian back in the day. And yep. then he moved out here to be my neighbor in, in Orlando. Uh, but Chuck made a statement, Mr. Colson made a statement to me. He said, Jay, he said, it's obvious that you have a call on your life. And no one had ever said that to me before. Mm. And coming from him, you know, mm. I, I took it as a great compliment because I knew the profound change that had gone through his life. And, and I knew also the renown in which he was, you know, the esteem in which he was uh, held in by so many in the faith community that had seen this transformation of his, of his life and this change in his life. But then he said something very convicting. He said, Jay, it's very obvious you've got a call on your life, 
but with all the students that you talk to, are you helping them understand mm. the role of calling on their life? Mm. And I, I wasn't trying to be, uh, you know, uh, terse, but I just said, well, I'm a big believer. God does the calling. You know, mm. it's not up to me to determine if someone is called. It's up to me to block and tackle to help them. Right. But the way he framed it, and then he spent some time as only he could do, very penetrating, but it just began to teach me the importance of mm. helping a generation come to grips that there, there are callings on our life mm -hmm. and that we're mm -hmm. held accountable to what we do with them. Yeah. No, Jay, that's a very good point. And, and, and even um, follow that along. What, what Guinness talks about in this book, The Call, is that uh, for people of faith, there is a primary and a secondary calling. And that was a very important thing for me to understand. Again, I was a person of faith at the time. And so when he talks about the primary calling on all of us to be in relationship with him through Jesus, uh, that was understood. I, I understood that. But he takes it a second step to say that there is a secondary calling then, that based on our gifts, talents, opportunities, backgrounds, that we should be thinking more specifically in looking at our own professional careers uh, or at least civic involvements um, in ways that we perceive God working in our particular lives. So the, the primary calling is general, uh, but the secondary calling in taking it a step further is to think very specifically about your own gifts, talents, and abilities, backgrounds, experiences, even bad experiences. I think that's the important thing that I've learned about calling is that it's a way for people to redeem very bad experiences. I mean, I, I know that you've done that in your own life, Jay. Um, but for many of us who have gone through difficult points in our life, it's very easy to wonder, well, why did I have to go through that? And sometimes when you see it through the lens of calling, you realize that was an experience that I had to have that I can then take and engage with others, whether it's professionally through a career path or through some sort of civic involvement. But it's a very important way to understand not only the future and decisions we'll make about our careers, but also what has led us to this point, the bad and the good. Hmm. Well, that's quite liberating as well, though, that we might be able to, not that we do the redeeming, but it's almost like we can redeem mm. the hurts or the mm. scars uh, I wrote down a phrase because I, I've been intrigued about you and I uh, having this opportunity and I can't wait for the seminar on Friday, but uh, I wanted to ask, I wrote down this phrase, don't waste your sorrows. Mm. Does, does that fit in? But you yeah. kind of answered that already, but I'd written this down ahead of time. So I have to use it, right? Yeah, no, that's good. If you write it down, you I may steal it from you, you know, but don't <laughs> waste your sorrows. Yeah, other, But the way you unpacked it just a moment ago, it really even gave clarity to some of the things in my own life that I've always felt like, well, maybe I went through those things for a higher purpose, for a higher, for a higher calling, you know, to prepare yeah. me, to equip me. But uh, the way you unpacked it, it almost seems natural. Yeah, no, I, I think one of the things that I've learned, and again, it's through understanding the calling 
this sense of calling is that you're, you either own your past or your past owns you. And you can really only own your past. And by that, I mean, especially pains that you've been through, through Christ. Um, but the way in which you do that, I believe, is through understanding, well, how do those pains then fit with your particular calling and what should you be doing with those to help others? And again, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a radical career change like I did, but it should at least mean that that is a story that can be redeemed in the telling and service to others. Now, when you talk about 911, and that obviously was one of those moments, yep. and I believe I'm correct in assuming that you feel this moment we're going through now could well be that for this generation of millennials. Yeah, so I do. I, and I see it in a couple different Yeah, so I see that in a couple different ways. For me, you know, 9-11, and I can only just uh, tell the quick story of walking around Central Park um, in 9-11 and staring downtown at the smoke that was coming out of what used to be uh, the World Trade Center and just having this feeling that the world around me was changing. I didn't know how it was changing. I didn't know the specifics of, of what it was going to change for me or for the world. I just knew that a cataclysmic event was happening. And for reasons, again, I can't fully put words to, I knew that I couldn't spend what, what God willing would be 30 years of a career left in my career. I couldn't spend it doing what I was doing before. And again, I didn't know what that meant specifically. I just knew that I was at a place where I couldn't just keep doing what I was doing. Now, when I got laid off two weeks later, <laughs> I knew for sure I was going to have to think differently about my career. So, um, so self-evident. That's right. Now, now for this generation, I think it's, it's fair to say that even in ways much more profound than even 9-11, um, that those in their 20s and, and 30s are, are looking at a world around them that is changing radically. Um, not, only, not only here in the United States, but in their own communities and globally. Uh, there is going to be a, a post-COVID-19 world. And that is, that is going to be different in a lot of different ways than, uh, in, in many ways, than the pre-COVID-19 world. And I also know that for our students, we have students that frankly had career plans for the fall that are now off the table. We had, uh, and that's not just recent college graduates, it's those that even in their mid to late 20s were getting calls into the office about people who said, you know, uh, I've lost my job, or it, I'm not sure if there's going to be a job for me in the fall. Um, and I also see this world around me changing, and it's changing in a way that our politics and policy are going to be profoundly impacted. And so, again, the, the whole trigger for this whole webinar that we're doing on Friday is just this, uh, these memories that I had of my own life and those around me. As you, as you know, Jay, there were a lot of people that went into the military, a lot of people who went into the public service after 9-11. And again, I'm beginning to see the same kind of thing happening here. Well, well, you know, I was just wrestling with a certain question, but there's a young man that's uh, uh, vice president of our student leadership 
University. Uh, he's gone on to get his PhD, and he's remarkable. He's a great thinker, uh, Dr. Brent Crow. But I never will forget. After 911, he came to me and said, "Man, I've got to go into the military. Mm. I have to go and defend my country." Mm -hmm. And so I talked to him about it. I said, well, there's a lot of different ways to defend your country. And right. although I greatly admire uh, those that wear the cloth of our country and obviously mm -hmm. are, are that thin wall of defense for us. Uh, obviously, we have the greatest military in the world and it's a great honor. We love them. But I said, I just want to want you to think this through and really pray it through. He said, yeah. but I feel like 911 will be the defining moment of my generation. Mm. And I said, well, so how are you going to respond to that de defining moment? Are you going to, to say, this is what I feel right now at the moment, so therefore I'm going to go do it? Or is there, a, is there a, a grid of decision making? Yes. Wrestle with. So, and, and, and I tried not to, you know, I, and I remember him saying, he said, but, but doc, surely you feel like, I know how you feel and how you talk about the country and this, that, and the other. He'd been with me to Normandy many times where we'd take a lot of our students, you know, mm -hmm. and I said, let me just tell you something. If there's another attack on the, on the, uh, on our country, I'll sign up and go with you. <laughs> we'll go together. Okay. <laughs> Right. I said, that's what they need, an old dude with a, with a new knee, you know, a fake knee. But, uh, but anyway, but I, I sense, and I know you put your finger on this by the, by the conference, but this is a defining moment. And a lot of young men and young women don't know what that means or what it yeah. looks like or yeah. where we go from here. But I think they're sensing that same thing. No, you're absolutely right, Jay. And, and you raised such a great point about, you use the term, the grid. And in some ways, that's, that's what I, I'm hoping to um, highlight in this webinar. There will be people uh, that are going to feel called or believe that they say, oh, I've got to go to medical school now, or I've got to be a nurse, or I've got to do this, something in response to this. And what, the, and what calling does is it actually helps you go through some, a very deliberate set of questions to say, yes, you, you may be considering a significant career change, but let's be very intentional about that uh, and, in, and, and in prayer about that and in community about that to, to make a decision that's not hasty and it might be triggered by a particular event but you can do it very deliberately. And there are a set of diagnostic questions and, and think, ways in which you can understand your own life that if you decide to make a, de a decision that is altered by COVID-19, it's done thoughtfully. Well, I think I have a sense of what we're going to be talking about on Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, again, it's, it's uh, I am going to talk about what, what calling doesn't look like. Right. I mean, I think it's it's important to say what it does look like, but it's also important to say what it doesn't look like. And uh, and again, people can make life changing decisions in a moment of crisis that uh, that might not be the best ones. Um, but I think what the what the importance of these kinds of life changing events, uh, why it's so important is it is it can prompt the real important questions about who we are and what God might be calling us to. Well, we know it will affect career decisions, so we'll be addressing that on Friday. That's right. 
but also can a calling redeem a tragedy? Is that possible? Is that too high of an expectation or is that a legitimate response? No, I, I think it is, it is completely part of calling. Uh, again, it, it's a way of not understand, not only understanding who we are um, in our, if you will, our, our natural gifts and abilities, but also we are shaped by the lives that we've lived and God has been involved in that. And, and again, it is very easy when we're going through a tragedy or a crisis to say, why is this happening to me? And to take a step back, to be deliberate, to be prayerful, and to think about, well, did those crises or pains actually prepare me perfectly for this point in my life? I've seen it happen in my life. I obviously know that it's happened in your life, Jay. And, and for the people that have really taken on this concept of calling, it is indeed a way to redeem the painful experiences of our past and to make them useful for others. We'll never look at certain professions the same again. Uh, we know 911, come back to that moment that uh, had such a uh, uh, grip on, on your life and what you've done with your life. Uh, but we know that uh, it's, uh, to me, it's fascinating when I begin to sense the different ways that the Lord allows us to go through certain things, and then how we respond to that. There's a phrase I wrote down I wanted to ask you about. The Apostle Paul said at one of the moments where his whole life was kind of hanging in the balance, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. He was standing before Agrippa, Caesarea by the sea, in prison, and uh, Agrippa was right there, and he was trying to share the good news with Agrippa. He was going for the, for the juggler, if you will, to try to get a decision from Agrippa about the reality of Jesus and who he is and what he had done. But I never, I never have forgotten at that moment when his whole life was kind of hanging in the balance. And that was kind of the impression as I read about uh, the, the webinar coming up this Friday, mm -hmm. I read about some questions and knowing the depth of some of uh, your feelings on this. I mean, I can't think of anybody better to walk us through this grid or walk us through these decisions or, and even unpack some of these emotions uh, than somebody that's devoted their life to a calling, which you have. You've answered that calling. But it, as we talk about Paul's life hanging in the balance, so many young men and women, uh, their, their future's hanging right now. How am I going to respond to what we've gone through and what we've seen the consequences are? So it's changing mm. the way on how we look at certain professions. Uh, mm. 911, uh, the police and firemen have been treated a yep. hundred times different than they ever were, True. and rightfully yep. so, right? Right. And certainly the U.S. military. Uh, uh, it kind of helped us do a great course correction on how we treated everybody from Vietnam and uh, realize, mm -hmm. man, these are our cherished possessions. Those That's that right. wear the uniform. But now we look at these essential, quote, non-essential, you know, uh, what's become essential? Who'd ever dreamed the truck driver driving all night? Very good. So 
athletes would would be essential. Very Who'd good. Whoever nurses, young nurses that are yep. you know struggling to take care of their family and go and put in long hours. I mean, and so this is one of those moments. So I ask you, how are we going to help them respond to the heavenly vision? Are they going to be obedient? Or are they going to miss it? Well, all I can say, Jay, is that in times of crisis, it can be clarifying, right? Uh, our God wants us, is a God of peace as well. And so as much as there is, is stress and mystery and um, confusion around us, that is not coming from God. And what I've found in this way of looking at my own life through the lens of calling, it is actually a very peaceful way that even in the midst of crisis, where you can have a sense of, am I doing what God is calling me uh, to do? And again, that, that can be all levels of work. It can be the, the truck driver and the president of the United States. And I don't mean to put those in any sort of hierarchy, only to say that God works in our lives, not only corporately, but also individually. And I think this, this is one of those moments that at its best, what a crisis does, it strips away all the non-essentials and causes us to think very seriously about the steps we're taking. I guess I would just close by saying, Jay, I think what 9-11 did for me is that it really did strip away uh, and really for the first time make me very intentional about decisions I was making in my career. Because even as a person of faith, I wasn't. I was just kind of doing the next thing in front of me. I wasn't taking that big picture lens. And even though I understood my relationship to, to God, I didn't fully, I didn't apply that lens to what I was doing at work and what, how I was thinking about my vocation. It was very comfortable. It was very nice. It was fun. But again, it, it took 9-11 to kind of strip away all those, all those things to say, am I doing what I was called to do? And I think that's the best that can come out of a crisis like this. Well, Pete, help me here. How do we imprint this in the minds of everybody watching this podcast or listening to this podcast? Uh, it's called COVID-19 and the calling to public service. Right. It's this Friday, April 24th, 2.30 PM Pacific standard time. Right. So 5.30, um, in the Eastern. real world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in America. Yes. Very All, right. Good. All right. Uh, so, so yeah, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu website, and you scroll to the bottom, you'll be able to click on the link there and register. And just for folks to know that even if you're not able to join us live for the webinar, everybody who registers will get a link to the recorded session, um, very similar to your podcast, Jay. And Give so- the address again, Pete. Yeah, so the website is publicpolicy, one word, dot Pepperdine, edu and if you scroll down to the bottom of that homepage you'll see on the events section the the link to the webinar for calling and just click on that and follow the prompt and type in your email and you'll get registered for it whether you can join us live or we'll send you the recorded session afterwards now I must admit I haven't always had my heart right about Pepperdine I mean 
you've got maybe the greatest view in the country. Am, am I fair on that? Is I, am I? Yeah, as someone who grew up in the Northeast, uh, Jay, I have to say it's it's the most stunning campus in America. Has to be. Okay. Well, now listen, all of us that are here in America, America, <laughs> I want you to tune in. Uh, Pete, I'm very grateful for you, what you've done, how you've answered the call on your life. Uh, you've been obedient to the heavenly vision. Uh, your fingerprints are all over a lot of young lives and a lot of folks in very strategic places uh, in the administration, in our country, in business, and so many others. And so I'm uh, looking forward to you and I getting to do some things together, but thank you for reminding us that there is a call on our life and that we can courageously answer that call. And my prayer is for you and all those participating in the, in the webinar on Friday, that the Lord will make his calling Waterford crystal clear. You know, in the South, we've learned there's a difference between crystal clear and Waterford crystal clear. I broke a Waterford crystal and my grandmother made sure <laughs> and you knew the difference attention for several weeks uh, because of that, that uh, there's the difference. So my prayer is this conference, COVID-19 and the calling to public service this Friday, 2.30 Pacific time, 5.30 in America, that uh, people will be able to begin to have that calling made water from crystal clear for their lives. God bless you, buddy. God bless you too. Honor to be with you, Jay. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who rate and review the podcast. It's because of you that others are able to be encouraged and equipped by this ministry. We would love to connect with you. To find out more, visit us online at slulead.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, hit that share button, send it to a friend, or take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us with the hashtag SLULead.